Before I begin, I acknowledge the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation as the traditional custodians of the land on which I record today. I pay my respects to elders past, present and emerging. Hello everyone and welcome back to the Community Library, a podcast and book club for anyone interested in stories and how and why we tell them. I'm your host, Angowri Rice. Happy Sunday, everybody, if you are listening on a Sunday, which is the day this comes out, of course. Uh, If not, then happy whatever day of the week. (laughs) How has your week been? I, I really hope it's been good. This week, the most exciting thing that happened to me was that I finished reading our book club pick, which is Grown by Tiffany D. Jackson. Spoiler alert, I loved it. I thought it was brilliant. Now, Grown is about a girl who dreams of being a singer. And so in keeping with the theme of music this month, I thought it would be fitting to do an episode that combines books and music. I love listening to music. I love curating Spotify playlists. I just, I'm obsessed with that sort of stuff. (laughs) And something that really draws me to an artist or a song or an album is uh, the lyrics. And if the lyrics are focused on storytelling, if they use vivid imagery and create a scene and an atmosphere, then yes, I will definitely love it. I love how a song can create such a vivid atmosphere, just like a book can. I love how these two different forms of media, you know, a book or a song, can actually have a very similar effect on me. So today, I'm going to share with you some of my favorite albums and pair them with some book recommendations. I also asked you, the listeners on Instagram, for some of your favorite albums, and I've included them in this list to some of the albums we actually had in common, so some of my favorites were also your favorites. Um, And there's one album on here that I had never listened to to before and I listened to it and then I'm giving a recommendation based on it. So let's get into it. To start off strong, we're coming in with what I am sure is no surprise to the regular listeners, Folklore and Evermore by Taylor Swift, released in 2020. Or if you prefer Folk Evermore (laughs) as kind of a hybrid name. Anyway, um, This is one of my favorite albums or sister albums, I guess. Uh, But also when I asked you, the listeners, a lot of people said Folk Evermore. So here we go. What I love about Folk Evermore is that it's soft and haunting, very romantic, kind of um, fairy-like and dream-like, quite a departure from the more upbeat singles of Lover or even um, Taylor's album before that, Reputation, which had a lot of like dark synth um, bass dance party songs. Folklore and Evermore is really kind of going back to Taylor's country roots and a lot more minimalist and quiet and subtle. These two albums are all about the aesthetic. They, not that I'm on TikTok, but they've started TikTok trends of like people dressing up and like, you know, all the like filters and stuff like that. Very much like cottagecore, cozy witch aesthetic. (laughs) She really creates this kind of cozy, delightful atmosphere. Um, You know, these low, deep vocals contrasted with high-pitched harmonies, very kind of dreamlike, ethereal, really beautiful. In these two albums, Taylor Swift 
moved away from um, her more autobiographical songs and actually started creating legends and stories um, about characters and people she'd made up in these songs. The title Folklore, I think, is is so fitting because, um, you know, she has created these characters much like a, a book and she tells a story with characters and a story arc and rising action and falling action. But overall, I think what I love about these two albums is just how romantic they are, whether that's in their happiness or in their sadness. Either way, these albums are so beautiful and quiet and soft. And so to pair a book with these two albums, I went with I Capture the Castle by Dodie Smith, published in 1948. This is a British book uh, set in 1934, and it's about a 17-year-old girl called Cassandra. We're essentially reading her diary, uh, and she writes about her family's crumbling castle home that she lives in. She writes about her vain sister, her artistic stepmother, and her very eccentric father, who is an author. And they're living in poverty, but it's kind of all romantic and beautiful because they're in this amazing crumbling castle. And it's a coming of age novel about falling in love for the first time. She's young and naive, but she falls in love and she learns some very important lessons along the way. And what I love about the writing is that it's so romantic and beautiful, even in its sadness, in its heartbreaking moments. Everything is like deeply important and worth writing about. A lyric from a folklore song, uh, Cardigan, really kind of stands out to me and I think matches this book so well. In Cardigan, Taylor Swift sings, When you are young, they assume you know nothing. And I really love this lyric kind of pairing with this book because it is about this young girl and everyone assumes she's so naive. She doesn't know what she's doing. She doesn't know what she's talking about. But she has these amazing insights on what her life is like, on love, on growing up, on feeling vulnerable on taking control of her own life. And I think that's what Folklore and Evermore does really well is that it finds the strength in being vulnerable. And I think that's what Cassandra finds in I Capture the Castle. Also just the romantic sweeping backdrop of the crumbling castle in the English countryside, very reminiscent of The Lakes on Folklore, which was the bonus track, or the title track Evermore, which talks about like, you know, floors of a cabin creaking. Like it's very grounded in its environment, which I think Folklore and Evermore are as well. The story itself reads like one of Taylor Swift's own creations. It it reads like one of these romantic stories that she might make up for a song, like the love triangle between Betty, James, and Augustine. There's actually a love triangle in I Capture the Castle, by the way. Um, or, you know, the glamorous life of Rebecca Harkness, which she sings about in The Last Great American Dynasty. So I Capture the Castle in itself feels like a song that could be on this album. Next up, one of my favorite albums of all time. <laughs> like forever and ever and ever, is Melodrama by Lord. This came out in 2017. I was 16 when it came out. It defined an era for me. It just defined my entire year, basically. If you haven't heard much of Lord's music, maybe you know Royals, which was her first single that kind of skyrocketed her to fame. Royals was from her first album, Pure Heroine. And that album was very kind of cool and collected and like very cool girl, 17-year-old, like kind of like uh, Billie Eilish maybe. 
But melodrama is wild and vibrant and heated electro pop like it just goes all out you might remember the lead single from this was green light which is just a song that you can like crank up and just like dance to in your bedroom lord talks about how the album actually mimics the rise and the fall of a party so you've got all these like wild bright songs like um homemade dynamite and perfect places but then you've also got these atmospheric haunting songs that kind of revel in the more quiet moments like the Louvre or Writer in the Dark, which is a really heartbreaking song. So she kind of follows all the aspects of a party, whether that's, um, you know, flailing limbs on the dance floor or crying in the bathroom. (laughs) And this album really is just about a young person dealing with heartbreak and losing herself in the partying, trying to get away from her feelings, but then they catch up to her in the end anyway. And she, you know, ends up crying on the dance floor or crying in the bathroom. And she still ends up feeling those feelings very intensely. And I also love how this album creates a whole atmosphere of like, it feels like you're stuck in this one party house the entire time. And you're going from room to room, like, witnessing all these different emotions and feeling like all these intense things and so because of that I have chosen to pair with this album Catherine House by Elizabeth Thomas published in 2020. This is a dark academia kind of sci-fi mystery suspense something (laughs) It's it's interesting, it's weird, and it's kind of, it's its own thing, which is why I think it pairs really well with melodrama. It's about an 18-year-old girl called Inez. She's running from her troubled past, and she is offered a place at the elusive and prestigious boarding college, Catherine House. And we follow Inez over her three years at Catherine, and she gets sucked into this world of like, cult-like rituals and experimental science (laughs) and she discovers some really dark secrets. So similarly to melodrama it creates a very insular haunting dark environment. When I think about it I just think of like deep rich colors like blues and reds and purples which is on the album cover for melodrama. Also, Catherine House features many parties and getting drunk, whether that's to escape emotions or to feel them more vividly, to just like feel anything. We kind of watch Inez's dark descent into really becoming a part of this house and it feels like the parties are in the walls and you can like feel everything so intensely in this environment. It's a really intoxicating book. You as the reader feel yourself slipping into this world just like Inez is and you don't understand why but it's just so compelling. And it's also kind of a coming of age novel, you know, it's about a bunch of young teenagers trying to figure out their place in the world um, all the while connecting to this strange wild environment that they're in. The next album that I want to talk about is one that a few people mentioned, actually, and I feel like this album defined 2020 for me. I mean, other than Folklore and Evermore. Um, But like the first half of 2020 was all Future Nostalgia by Dua Lipa. This album is like exactly what it says on the tin. It's futuristic nostalgia. (laughs) You've got like 
70s, 80s, deep bass synth pop kind of sound, which is very nostalgic. But then it's also kind of futuristic in that you've got like this, I guess, new dance beat and kind of like very space age. Like in her, in some of the songs, she talks about hallucinating and levitating and it's very kind of interstellar. But another thing that I really like about future nostalgia is that even though it feels somewhat familiar and like samples songs from the 70s and 80s. Um, it's also new and vibrant and she's subverting some of the tropes. She sings, you ain't used to a female alpha. So she knows that she's kind of like, she's taking this old thing and then like doing, twisting it and doing it in her own way. And also, you know, for her as an artist, I feel like this album was kind of a risk. It's very different from her first album, um, which was, I think, just self-titled Dua Lipa. This one has a very different sound. But what I like about Dua Lipa's songs and her voice and her just storytelling is that she's very camp and cool and confident. Like she delivers her lyrics almost like instructions. Like if you think about new rules, she's saying like, one, don't pick up the phone. (laughs) And same with like, don't start now, which by the way, was my top song of 2020, according to Spotify. In don't start now, she sings like, don't show up, don't come out, don't start caring about me now. (laughs) Like she's very much kind of delivering instructions in this almost like militaristic way. Also with like these solid drum beats that you can just like dance to on the dance floor. Um, So I love how, you know, I just put so much trust in her as a listener. Like I listen to her and I'm like, yeah, you know what you're talking about. (laughs) So the book that I'm pairing with Future Nostalgia is heavily influenced by this like space age interstellar vibe that I get from the album. And that is Illuminate by Amy Kaufman and Jay Kristoff, published in 2015. This is a YA sci-fi book, which I read last year or maybe in 2019. No, it must have been in 2020 because I read it just as the pandemic was heating up. And that was a bad idea because it features a pandemic in the plot. Anyway, um, it's a sci-fi book and it's about an ex-boyfriend and ex-girlfriend, Ezra and Katie. And in the opening scene, their home planet is invaded and they flee on a rebel spacecraft with the enemy in hot pursuit. But a deadly plague breaks out on one of the evacuated ships. So they're flying in space and then there's a deadly plague and Katie and Ezra have to navigate the misinformation that's spreading, the hackers that are hacking into their system and a very unruly artificial intelligence robot, which is um, saying that it's going to save them, but is like actually trying to kill them. And another thing that makes this book very distinctive and unique is that it's told through a mixed media format. So it's all told through like files and reports and emails and interview transcripts and photos and maps and diagrams and all of that fun stuff. It's a really fun interactive book to read. I wanted to pair this with future nostalgia, obviously because of like the spacey futuristic sci-fi has a very similar aesthetic in my mind. (laughs) Um, But also because when I was doing more research about Illuminate, it's described as a space opera, which is a genre that can also be applied to films like Star Wars. Star Wars is considered a space opera. And that's, it means that it's like an adventure story, a big epic adventure story set in space. And that feels appropriate for future nostalgia too, that title of space opera. That's what it feels like to me. 
I also see parallels between our main character, Katie, and Dua Lipa. Katie is very calm and confident when it matters most. She's a real hero. She like, she knows what's up. She summons the courage to do really hard things. And she's kind of this like unflappable hero. And that's exactly what we need. She's a really the grounding force of this novel. And I see parallels between her strength and kind of the cool commanding voice of Dua Lipa in her songs. Next up, one of my favorite albums of 2019, Cheap Queen by King Princess. This is a very cool album. So cool that when I listen to it, I feel like I'm like not cool enough to listen to it. Uh, you might know King Princess's song 1950. She supported Harry Styles on tour. And this album is very understated, very laid back, laid back drum beats, just effortless vocals, but it's also quite vulnerable and confessional and intimate. Um, when you listen to it, you feel like like it's a like it's a midnight chat at a sleepover, or like you're just jamming in her studio at like two in the morning. Um, there's like no pressure. It's very confessional, very intimate. The themes of this album, you know, it's it is about love. There are some beautiful love songs on there, but it's also about loneliness, especially in the face of excess and fame and the media um you know I love the title of this album Cheap Queen I think I just love that juxtaposition also she talks about this in useless phrases like she finds the I guess cheapness in things that are beautiful or sweet or highly regarded and kind of pokes fun at them in a cynical way so because of this, um, because of this idea of like cheap queen, you know, this juxtaposition of fame and money and wealth and all things glittery and sparkly versus like the vulnerable, more intimate moments and finding, you know, fallacies in these um, arbitrary things that we hold up. Because of that, I have chosen to go with The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo by Taylor Jenkins Reid. This was published in 2017. So this is book was huge um <laughs> on in the book community everyone loved it i read it i really i enjoyed it this is about evelyn hugo she is a movie star from the 1950s and it takes place in present day and she's finally ready to tell her story and she enlists the help of a young biographer to write her story down and to publish it so evelyn hugo tells this biographer all about her career her seven marriages and the one relationship she always had to keep secret from the world. So this book is about fame and glitz and glamour, but it's also about delving deeper and looking under that and finding the more intimate, quiet moments and the things that have to be kept secret from the world. And so the main thing that Evelyn Hugo had to keep secret, and this isn't a spoiler, is that the love of her life was a woman. And obviously in, you know, 1950s Hollywood, that was unacceptable. So it's about, um, I guess, it's a little bit about queer identity, but it's also about keeping a love secret and what that means and the burden of that. It also exposes kind of the dark underbelly of everything shiny and pretty about 1950s and 60s Hollywood. And it kind of reminds me of the cynical tone that King Princess sometimes takes. So really, I think the connection here is this more kind of thematic idea of finding sincerity in moments of 
love and truth and hope and vulnerability when you cast away the veneer of coolness and ease. So I couldn't compile this list without including at least one Australian artist on here. One of my favorite Australian artists is Thelma Plum, and she came out with an album in 2019 called Better in Black. Uh, This is an indie pop album with some like electronic undertones, but also some more intimate songs. Uh, And it's an album about healing and finding triumph, I guess, after healing from painful experiences. What I love about Thelma Plum's music is that it's so catchy. Like I find myself singing it over and over again, but the lyrics are also so like witty and cutting. Like she has some really great tongue in cheek lines um, and even whole songs. Like she sings, she has a song called Woke Blokes, which is just, it's so like funny in the fact that it's so devastatingly true But one of my favorite songs of hers that's on this album is called Nick Cave and it includes the lyric, (laughs) which is, it's my favorite lyric ever. It includes the lyric, I went on your Facebook to see if you're single and accidentally liked something from 400 weeks ago. I'm so embarrassed. (laughs) I just think like it's so, so personal and vulnerable, but also like very universal. Like we've all done that. (laughs) So I, I love her witty lyrics and how she pairs them with such catchy melodies that I just keep singing them over and over. This album, Better in Black, also talks a lot about trauma and her struggles with dealing with online abuse and also her experiences growing up Aboriginal in Australia and, you know, what that was like for her. And um, she also explores some themes of social justice and talking about her culture and her heritage. One of my favorite songs on the album is Homecoming Queen, which is about... um, her experiences growing up and she sings in the song, I never saw anyone quite like me in the magazines. And Better in Black, the title track, is a confident and triumphant anthem about her connecting to her identity and what that means to her. I think the lyric from this album that kind of sums the tone up as a whole is, I can take the hate and turn it into this, make it all feel better and end it with a kiss. So in this album, she really does, you know, go into her pain and um, heartbreak, uh, but turns it into something beautiful and amazing that she is able to share with an audience. So to find a book to pair with this, I obviously wanted to find an Australian book. And so I chose Too Much Lip by Melissa Lukashenko, published in 2019. If you're a regular listener on the podcast, you will know that I read this book last year and absolutely loved it. It was my favorite Australian book that I read last year. It's about a wisecracking 20-something-year-old woman named Kerry, and she returns to her hometown to say goodbye to her dying grandpa. And on that journey, she must reconnect with her dysfunctional family. So this book is also about um, a young woman dealing with trauma and pain and taking us, the reader, on a journey towards her healing, um, both in her personal life and also with her family as a whole. You know, it's it's about, I guess, forgiveness within her family and healing from the death of her grandfather and also like the disappearance of her sister a long time ago. So yeah, it's about recovery. But at the same time, there's a bit of romance thrown in, which you know I love. Uh, and I think Better in Black, the album does that 
really well as well. Um, there are a few songs in there, Clumsy Love and I Was Made For You, uh, that are both about kind of feeling this giddy love. And it's really sweet because that's a really nice kind of C plot to Too Much Lip as well. Too Much Lip is also written by a First Nations Australian woman um, and also tackles themes of connecting to culture and language and heritage. And that's something that's really present in the story. One of my favorite things about Too Much Lip, which um, I've mentioned on the podcast before when I've spoken about this book, is the writing style and how it was so like dry and cutting and witty. Um, and it just reminded me a lot of the tone of some of Thelma Plum's songs, especially Woke Blokes, which if you're going to listen to one song on the album, please just like listen to Woke Blokes. Maybe I'm misleading you into thinking that it's funny. It's not. It's not funny. It's utterly heartbreaking and real and makes me angry but it's kind of almost like funny in how accurate it is and how she has managed to just like distill (laughs) the whole identity of a woke bloke into one song it's amazing um so yeah just a similar kind of writing style very like snappy and witty and catchy okay an album that so many people said was one of their favorites was Fine Line by Harry Styles, which came out in 2019. I also really enjoyed this album. Um, I added so many songs from it onto my playlist. I I really like it. If you haven't heard it, uh, (laughs) if you've somehow missed (laughs) Harry Styles' most recent album, it's kind of got a more vintage influence. It sounds, it takes sounds from like the 60s and 70s, kind of chill, laid back pop, reminiscent of like John Lennon, kind of like 60s, 70s John Lennon. And it's really an album about contrast. Uh, It's about super high highs with like golden and watermelon sugar and then like super low lows, like cherry and falling. And this theme of like the balance of like highs and lows is something that Harry Styles has spoken about when talking about this album as well. And actually the title track, Fine Line, is about finding the balance between these two extremes, you know, finding the balance between feeling like so giddy in love, like everything is coming up Harry Styles and then feeling like really sad (laughs) and like nothing is going your way. It's also... A very, you know, cool, soft boy aesthetic. Like everyone loves the Harry Styles aesthetic, (laughs) like super cool. And also um, kind of resistant to traditional toxic masculinity. You know, it's about being a little more vulnerable um, and a little more comfortable in that vulnerability. So taking this cool, vulnerable boy aesthetic, I have decided to pair Fine Line with The Perks of Being a Wallflower by Stephen Chbosky. This was published in 1999. Not everyone likes this book, (laughs) but uh, when I read it, I think maybe two years ago now, I was surprised at how much I enjoyed it, actually. This is a short YA novel told in letters about a high school freshman, Charlie, and he befriends an eccentric group of high school seniors, and he's just trying to find his place in the world um, all throughout his freshman year of high school. It also kind of has a very distinct, cool aesthetic, especially when you look at the film, you know, even though Harry Styles is kind of taking more 60s, 70s inspiration and the film is set in the 90s, it's very kind of vintage, cool aesthetic, if you know what I mean. (laughs) 
And the perks of being a wallflower is also about feeling these super high highs and super low lows and trying to reconcile those two. Charlie is a character who struggles with his mental health a lot and sometimes he is really energetic and excited when recounting what happened to him and then sometimes he is so low and and depressed and upset and insecure. Similarly to kind of the arc of fine line the album eventually in the end charlie manages to find a balance between the two i think when you look at charlie as a character he is much less secure than harry styles you know he's a lot younger and more naive but he is able to access that same vulnerability that harry styles does in his album okay next up is an album that a lot of people mentioned was their favorite um, that I had never listened to. And that is AM by Arctic Monkeys. This came out in 2013. Never listened to the Arctic Monkeys before in my life. <laughs> so, but so many people mentioned it that I was like, okay, well, I just have to sit down and listen to it. So I listened and yeah, I enjoyed it. It's, it's, not, really, it's not really my thing, but I thought it was cool. It's very dark, <laughs> like vampy, tense, lots of big electric guitar, lots of like bass and drums. It kind of feels like a dangerous album. You know, it's about sinning. It's about sex and lust. It's, it's a sex, drugs and rock and roll album, essentially. There are lots of songs about addictive lust, like, do I want to know? Are you mine? I want it all. Arabella. Um, <laughs> and also about demanding excess and like appreciation for art and beauty, but like just wanting all of it. And the lyrics are very visual and sexy, lots of like dark imagery. And yeah, it's overall just like a very cool kind of edgy album, I think. I guess for this one, I really took the theme of like sinning and excess and like addiction. And uh, with that, I came up with The Picture of Dorian Gray by Oscar Wilde. This was published in 1890. Now, <laughs> it may seem a bit strange recommending a classic work of fiction for this like uber cool modern rock and roll album. However, I think they match very, very well. And I think out of all of the matches, like this is probably one that I'm most proud of. <laughs> the picture of Dorian Gray is about a rich young man who sells his soul for eternal youth and beauty. While Dorian Gray remains untouched by time, his portrait shows all signs of sin and age in his place. So armed with this incredible power of eternal beauty, we watch Dorian's moral disintegration and descent into madness, essentially. Similarly to AM, this book is about sex, drugs, and rock and roll. I mean, okay, maybe less rock and roll and more like <laughs> art and literature and theater, but um, that was the rock and roll of the 1890s. So, <laughs> so that's my justification. So because Dorian Gray is forever you know, young and beautiful. It's about him 
thinking he's invincible and going into this like addictive, intoxicating downward spiral. He falls in love with people left, right and center. It's also about sinning. You know, he goes to an opium den. He, you know, he, he might be guilty of murder. I don't know. Read the book. Find out. So we watch Dorian as he becomes addicted to everything beautiful and everything powerful. And this book shows the dark, partying underbelly of 1890s London, and it was considered really scandalous at the time and was banned. As a whole, the book is is sexy and tense and dark and is about, um, yeah, that same kind of addiction to beauty that uh, is sung about in A.M., Okay, finally is a more broader recommendation, uh, but this was something that a lot of people mentioned. And a lot of people said that what they love listening to is original movie soundtracks. And I am the same. I love listening to movie soundtracks. Uh, Back when I was still studying in high school, uh, I would listen to movie soundtracks whenever I studied Harry Potter, Atonement, Anna Karenina, Inception, any of those kind of soundtracks. I loved because this is you know a really broad category I guess like original movie soundtracks uh instrumental pieces like there's so much range in there um so I wanted to give a bit of a different um approach to a recommendation and so for this I'm going to recommend The Ensemble by Asia Gable this was published in 2018 this is about a string quartet so In this book, we follow the lives of the four members of the string quartet um, from when they first form their group in university all the way up until their group dissolves and they're in their 30s or 40s or something. So I thought this would be an interesting recommendation because it's actually about music. It's about playing orchestral pieces um, or string quartet pieces that you might find on an original movie soundtrack. And it's a book that's less focused on plot and more focused on character. Uh, So it's about the psychology of playing an instrument and the performance and um, the dynamics in this group of four people. You know, how tense and emotional it is to perform every night with the same three people. The book is written by a woman who used to play cello in a string quartet. um, So she really knows what she's talking about. And... It also comes with a playlist of classical music to accompany it. So you can listen to the pieces that they are playing in the book while you read it, which I think is so cool and a really like cool interactive way to experience a book about music. So that's all I've got for you today, folks. I hope you enjoyed it. I had so much fun, by the way, (laughs) like writing down all my favorite albums, coming up with books for them. Uh, Let me know if you recommend any other books based on these albums or any other albums you think I should listen to. Of course, I will have all of the music linked on my blog and gallery's library if you would like to check it out and listen to it. Um, And I'll also link all of the books. I wish I could have included snippets of the songs themselves, but... Alas, I I looked into it, consulted multiple sources and uh, copyright, you know. So just a reminder, our book club pick for February is Grown by Tiffany D. Jackson, which we'll be discussing on the 28th. So that's the last Sunday of February. 
It's a book about power and fame and music, but also be mindful there are content warnings for abuse. As always in the show notes, you can click on the link that will take you to an information page about the book and it will have all the content warnings listed on that page if you think that it might include some stuff that you might be sensitive to. Before I discuss the book on the 28th, I will be asking you, the listeners, for some questions and discussion topics to include in the episode. I'll be asking those over on Instagram when we get closer to the date. So uh, yeah, make sure you follow me there at the underscore community underscore library. Until next week, take care of yourself and have a dance party. You deserve it. Bye. Bye.